Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and my guest today is Dr. Kathleen Hood, who is a board-certified family practitioner with over 30 years' experience, and her practice is in Westport, Massachusetts. And we're going to talk today about her experience uh, with the Alexander Technique and uh, how how um, what she's noticed with her patients who have um, have studied the Alexander Technique as well. Uh, Dr. Hood, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to talk to you. Um, I wonder if you'd be willing to give our listeners a brief description of the Alexander Technique. I'd be happy to. Well, as I understand it, it hails from the thespian world. Yes. Um, It's not a medical approach. Um, And it's a way of teaching folks more awareness of their bodies and focuses on postural elements. And Alexander's theory that the hinge between the head and the spine is actually at the temporomandibular joint Mm -hmm. instead of in the cervical spine. Mm -hmm. And, And that that's a very important relationship. The, right. the head the head spine uh, relationship, yeah. And the other part of it that I, I focus on and think is important is the idea of habit patterns that develop over a lifetime of use, and that, if you will, witless use can re- result in fairly destructive habit patterns, and that those can actually be responsible for. Um, pains and aches which tend to get attributed to other more structural elements but in fact are a function of how we use our bodies and therefore with enough awareness and instruction and practice we can reconfigure those habit patterns and experience better agility, less pain. Yes, excellent. And um, could you say a little about how you came to the technique and what your own experiences have been with it? Yes. Um, as with so many important discoveries, it was a patient who introduced me to it. Um, Janet is a woman I had followed for many years in my practice, very advanced in age, was living independently despite fairly severe, uh, one would say crippling, arthritis. And she had known Mary for a long time, which I didn't realize when Janet had a fall. She fell out the cell, um, the garage stairs and um, suffered a fracture of her neck, actually. The neurosurgeons deemed it an unstable fracture and advised her to have a fixation procedure, but at 93, she decided she was not going to do that. And so I respected that decision, and we went forward together, acknowledging that there would be some risk. Janice, a very intelligent person, studied what was involved and um, began to try to heal on her own. She and Mary had been meeting together for some time. I'm not actually sure how they came together, but Mm -hmm. Janet told me one day that she was controlling all of the pain of her broken neck with her Alexander 
technique. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, piqued my interest. I couldn't imagine what this was, this technique that could control the pain of a broken neck that I'd never heard of. Mm -hmm. And so I sought out Mary with Janet's um, contact information, and we became acquainted. And uh, we should just say here that Mary is uh, Mary Derbyshire, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Little Compton, Rhode Island, which is very near where your practice is. That's right. right. So what was your experience? with? Well, so I invited Mary to come. Um, I was actually having a meeting at my home of some alternative and complementary practitioners whose work I respect and um, who are colleagues in the care of my patients. And I thought that someone who had some powerful tool to control pain was someone I really needed to know. And when we met, I found her very um, companionable, very interesting and interested and willing to share uh, what she was doing. And I wanted to learn more about it. So I signed up as a student for a start. Mm -hmm. And uh, how did the lessons go and what what experiences did you have from well, taking Well, you know, I must admit for the first, we, we met weekly and um, had a personal one-on-one -on -one lesson including table time and chair and conversation and she um, was gracious about answering all the questions. I think I peppered her with more questions on the early days than maybe some um, students do. And um, I so enjoyed those sessions, I just became more and more curious, but I didn't really feel the kind of personal effects until about the fourth lesson. And so I tried very hard just to keep an open mind. I, I should add that I was living with severe pain in my shoulder, which mm -hmm. I was largely ignoring. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that would be sort of my litmus test for whether this approach would be helpful to mm -hmm. me for controlling my pain. I had already decided not to use a traditional medical approach to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how, how are you, I take it you're still having lessons with her? Yes, that was um, a couple of years ago. And we're still meeting because I felt after that third lesson like I was experiencing a different sensation in my body, which was akin to what I would feel after a yoga session or a massage therapy session, but it's immediate accessibility on the table and after the lesson was impactful to me. And the fact that I could basically call this up at will once I understood the directions and inhibitions a little bit better, um, was just such a fantastically powerful tool that I wanted to be able to get the most out of it for myself and also be able to understand it better so I could begin to recommend it to patients. And when you began recommending it to patients, how did they respond? Well, um, I have a wonderful patient population in Westport and many of them come to see me already because I like to partner with the patients, think outside the box, hear about their lives, kind of meet them where they are. And I loved that Mary would say, uh, what is it that you want to be able to do? Um, let's gear our lessons toward achieving that as opposed to, you know, here's my idea of what your life should be and here's how to achieve it. And this is the scientifically supported way to do that. So the patients are really receptive to it. Now that's not to say that 
every last one of them goes who I recommended to. Mm -hmm. um, but Mary helped me with that and gave me a handout which just has a description of the therapeutic lie down or constructive rest mm -hmm. position, mm -hmm. um, her contact information, and um, the uh, URL for the website for the American Society mm -hmm. of um, Alexander. And so patients will sometimes, you know, different people have different time frames and approaches, will sometimes kind of snoop around it for a while and then eventually come to it. But the ones who've gone directly have been the ones who are in severe disabling pain. Mm -hmm. And many of them have already exhausted traditional medical approaches. So they're desperate enough that they say, well, that doesn't make any sense, but sure, whatever, give me your name, I'll call her. And they are often the ones who, after the second or third lesson, are actually pain-free mm -hmm. and themselves can't believe it either. Mm -hmm. And um, so increasingly, I think there is receptivity and interest. And Mary's done some very small group sessions on Main Road in Westport to invite people to come, kind of in the way someone would conventionally go to a yoga class and witness her work with one student and she circulates among the students and you know does a sort of a group session with six students and so many of the folks I thought would benefit from it agreed to do that to kind of sample it and then some of those have continued as um, private patients or private students. Mm -hmm. And and when you um, make the decision about whether to recommend it or not to a particular patient what what are your criteria i assume one is someone who's in pain and it would be a good candidate from your perspective yeah i've expanded the um, catchment to include anyone i perceive to be holding tension in an excessive or dysfunctional way in their body which frankly is Pretty much everybody. I was just, just going to say that, that that's a, a pretty wide uh, net to cast. Um, you know, a question that occurs to me is, um, do, do you, it, it, what would be your, uh, how would you approach another doctor, especially a primary care, another primary care physician? What would you say to them about the technique and whether it's something they might want to investigate themselves? Well, I find that the window to a meeting of the minds about this with another traditionally trained physician from this country anyway is to say, well, this is a first do no harm approach. And it has anecdotal evidence for remarkable relief of pain not relieved in our conventional ways mm -hmm. and I find that other physicians are very eager to know about such approaches um, you know we're we're really encultured in medical school not to trust any method that doesn't pass the scientific um, model approach right. and right. yet this is really um, you know it's not a medical <laughs> Approach. It's sort of like telling someone, breathe, um, hydrate, um, nourish your body, get adequate rest, find a way to move with joy. And increasingly, I find I talk to patients about those things. And I think most physicians 
concur with that. They just forget to mention those elemental things before they go on to the things we learned in medical school to provide. Mm-hmm. And it it might be worth adding that there is uh, at least one um, evidence-based medical study. Uh, right, actually, the, that's the, right. Mary the, shared that. One. Yeah, the uh, there there's then there's several other. There are a few other. There's one, the major one is about back pain and was sponsored by the National Health Service in the UK. And it it seems as though the UK is where a lot of other studies are going on. There's a neck pain study and a few others. And I think uh, my understanding is their motivation was, as you might imagine, to cut costs and to save money on because they do subsidize medical care in that country. And of course, that's the one deterrent to accessing this in this country mm-hmm. is that if I write a prescription for physical therapy evaluation and treat diagnosis, neck pain, back pain, mm-hmm. headaches, TMJ syndrome, um, loss of voice, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it will be paid for by the patient's insurance with small co-pays. Right. Um, they have to pay completely out of pocket for Mary. Um, so as with other non networked providers, um, I sometimes try just writing on a prescription pad, you know, Alexander Technique, evaluate and advise um, and the diagnosis and invite the patients to take their receipts for out-of-pocket expenditures for Mary's lessons and submit them to their health insurance company for whatever out-of-network reimbursement they might receive and hope that if nothing else, it sends a little message to the payer that patients are accessing and benefiting from these other approaches. I think that has gradually happened with acupuncture and chiropractic and mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. other body work modalities. And I'm hopeful that the same thing could be possible for Alexander. Yeah, and you know, in, in Great Britain, um, primary care physicians are urged to do exactly as you describe, essentially write a prescription uh, recommending Alexander lessons for, for patients that have back pain specifically. And I believe that the National Health Care, National Health Service there will reimburse a certain number of Alexander lessons for free. So, but we don't have that yet in in the States. Is there anything else you would like to say about your experience or your patients' experiences with the technique before we come to an end? Um, Just to add that the shoulder pain is much, much better. Mm -hmm. And um, I recall that when I mentioned to Mary early in our lessons that that was part of what I was hoping to experience improvement with, (laughs) she turned to me and you know Mary she I has do. very engaging eye contact and said oh you'll be pain free with a kind of confidence that um, I found very reassuring mm-hmm. and it helped me as a physician experience what a patient feels with a therapeutic relationship and you know it's not just something we as doctors do with our patients it's something that absolutely comes across with Alexander and so I think it belongs in this world of tools that we have in our medical toolbox. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen there are a a lot of doctors themselves are in pain of one kind or another. 
it's a stress <laughs> it's a stressful job yes, uh, being uh, uh, well any i think probably any uh, anything in uh, in medicine but certainly a primary care uh, physician such as yourself is under all kinds of pressure from insurance companies and who knows you know to it's it's and you're seeing all these people all day long who have problems and it just doesn't it doesn't seem surprising to me that that there would be a fairly high incidence of stress related conditions in in the medical profession itself and you know i also share my personal experience with it with patients especially when i meet someone whose issues really remind me of my own mm-hmm. and they're wary of doing something like this i will share my personal experience too and say here's how it feels and here's why i do it and here's what helps and you know just be able to illustrate a little bit of it for them as i understand it and i think that also um, convinces people that um, if I have this much faith in it, that you know it's worth worth trying. And I still have a lot to learn, but I can at least share with them what I've learned so far. I hope to continue studying it for a long time more. Well, maybe this is a, a good point uh, at which to end our conversation. Um, my my guest today is Dr. Kathleen Hood, who is a, a family practitioner in uh, Westport, Massachusetts. And I'll be putting a link to uh, her her website as well as the website of her teacher, uh, her Alexander teacher, Mary Derbyshire, who lives in Little Compton, Rhode Island, which is very close to, uh, to Westport. Uh, Dr. Hood, thank you so much for, for doing this. You're most welcome. It was my pleasure.